The National Health Institute says that 31.1% of Americans will suffer from anxiety at some point in their life. That's adults, teenagers, children. The percentage of both Christians and non-Christians experiencing mental health crises is growing faster and faster because we're anxious and we're restless and we're fearful that things are not going to be okay. Maybe you feel similar this morning, or maybe you've experienced a restless anxiousness before, and if you've not, then there's a good chance that at some point in your life, you may. So is there any hope, is there any rest or peace that humanity can find to soothe our restless souls? Is there something better than if, insert my greatest political desires, my ultimate career goals, whatever temporal success I think will soothe me was fulfilled, that I could find peace and finally be at ease? See, all that temporal desire, it just makes us more and more restless and anxious, does it not? Considering his own restless soul, the 4th century early church father, Augustine, said this, The thought of you, talking about God, stirs him, talking about humanity, so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you. Because you made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. You see, we don't just need a vacation to find rest. We need a person to rest in. Mark 2 shows us that Jesus begins a new kind of rest for the people of God and that he himself is the ultimate source of rest and peace for humanity. So let's unpack this and look at this text with three points and no, I'll spend most the most time in the first point, which is First, the Pharisees missed the point of the Sabbath. Second, the Sabbath's aim is to refresh, not restrict. Finally, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So first, the Pharisees missed the point of the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was a weekly built-in day of rest where Israel is commanded to cease from all their work for one whole day a week. In fact, there are actually 39 types of work prohibited on the Sabbath, according to Torah, that you couldn't do. The Sabbath was also one of Israel's primary identifying markers alongside circumcision, which is both of those set Israel apart from other nations. So it's something that Israel takes very seriously and observes strictly. So notice in Mark chapter 2, as Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field and they are plucking heads of grain, the Pharisees don't accuse them of stealing. But see in verse 24, the Pharisees say, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? In other words, why are they working? You see, this is significant for understanding this text. The Pharisees are accusing Jesus and his disciples of a crime that's worthy of death. 
So to see all the contours of what's happening in this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees, you must know Deuteronomy chapter 23, which said that travelers, particularly poor travelers, could pick grain in other people's fields with their hands. Not with a sickle, not with a tool, but with their hands. In other words, they couldn't harvest grain to store it or to sell it, but they could take what was necessary for their personal, physical needs, for sustenance. So what the disciples are doing is actually legal according to the Torah, even legal on the Sabbath. But in the eyes of the Pharisees, the disciples are violating the Sabbath because the Pharisees see picking grain as work. So you must see that the Pharisees, what they've done is they've actually taken liberty with the law of God and added extra biblical expectations and regulations around it. And Jesus is going to show them that their liberties, while zealous, maybe even well-intentioned, are grossly misplaced because it causes them to miss the point of the Sabbath. And so Jesus shows them they miss the point by citing what the Pharisees hold most dear to them. That is the Word of God. See in verse 25, Jesus tells a story about David and he says, have you not read, he's quoting the Hebrew Bible to them, that Israel's greatest king, David, did what was not lawful. He uses the Pharisees' own language. See, this is from 1 Samuel 21. And if you know the story in 1 Samuel 21, David, who's not yet king at that point in his life, but he'll become king, he's running for his life. He's running away from Saul. And he has his his men with him as he's heading into a holy war, into a holy battle, and he goes to the temple in search of food. And he's given by the priest at the temple what's called the bread of the presence, which is a showbread placed in the temple for the purposes of worship. So you must understand that only the priests, only the priests in Israel were allowed to eat the bread of the presence, according to the Torah. So you see, what Jesus is showing the Pharisees is that they have missed the intention and the aim of God's law and that their liberties in adding extra biblical regulations around God's law has led them to completely miss the point of the Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees, they misinterpret the Sabbath laws because they don't see the intent behind the law. They only know the regulations around it. In this case, regulations that they made up and put there. In other words, the Pharisees only have compassionless religion. And even with all of their zeal for the nation of Israel, all their zeal for the love of God, they miss the point because their hearts are not turned towards God. If it was, if their hearts were turned towards God, they would have been compassionate and merciful to Jesus and his disciples. Their mind is anxious, though. It's restless because it's turned towards regulations and religion. So you must see this, friend, that even when we have the most zealous desires and the greatest intentions, we can completely miss the point of what God has commanded us in his word if we miss that God wants our hearts directed towards him more than anything else. 
Now let me show you this in verse 25. It says, what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those who were with him. You see, Jesus shows the Pharisees that in 1 Samuel, David's doing what is necessary for himself and for those who are with him. In other words, David's eating the bread of the presence is permissible because it's necessary for him and his men to survive. They're running for their life at this point. Jesus is also saying that works of necessity, something like eating, something like eating when one is hungry, like the disciples are doing, is permissible, particularly when your heart is directed towards God. See, this is how Calvin puts it. If David's necessity excused him, the same argument ought to be admitted in the case of others. Hence it follows that the ceremonies of the law are not violated where there is no infringement of godliness. In other words, God is not concerned with mere compliance, but he wants our heart. Where was David's heart aimed in 1 Samuel 21? It's aimed towards God as he sought to love his friends and to feed them. Jesus' logic here is this. If this is true for David, how much more is this true for me? Now, two points on this. First, Jesus is saying, David was your great king. He's saying this to the Pharisees. David was your great king, and he did what was unlawful. But you missed the point. God's law does not restrict for restriction's sake, but allows us to meet our own and our neighbor's needs of necessities. In other words, God's Law does not forbid compassion and mercy. Second, David did this. Jesus is greater than David. Verse 28. Jesus says he is Lord of the Sabbath. I'm going to hold off that for the final point. But Jesus is saying, I'm greater than David. If David could do it, how much more can I? Again, Jesus is exposing the weakness of mere religious zeal without affection, without compassion without mercy. He's saying that without understanding the aim of our hearts towards God, something the Pharisees never understood, you miss the points. So here's the application for us today. If you view your practices on the Sabbath, if your views or practices on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, are more burdening to you than refreshing, Friend, you've missed the point of the Lord's Day and the intention and the aim of God's law where it says observe the Sabbath and the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You've missed the point. Isaiah 58, 13 shows us this. It says the aim of the Sabbath is to delight in the Lord, to aim your heart towards the triune God in worship, to be replenished and refreshed, not to be burdened, to delight in God. This is true of any law of God. If you miss that God doesn't desire mere compliance, but desires your affections, desires your heart, friend, you miss the point of Christianity altogether. Now, how much more do the Pharisees miss this when they add extra-biblical laws to the Bible? Now, we do the same thing in many ways. Often it's easier for us to love religion more than it is to love Christ. It's measurable, right? And those extra-biblical laws keep us in the zone that we want to be in. 
because we can make them whatever we want them to be. And what that does, though, is makes us restless. Even as we're zealous, we become restless and anxious because we can never keep up. We can never do enough. We're always wondering, is it enough? Is it good enough? You see, religion says be burdened by, the, by work. But Christianity says don't be burdened, be refreshed. And this is the second point, what the Pharisees missed. The aim of the Sabbath is to be refreshed, not restricted. So you look in verse 27. It says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus shows what the true meaning and aim of the Sabbath is by appealing not to the Torah, but to the creation narrative. Jesus doesn't go to Exodus 20, something the Pharisees would have knew backwards and forwards. But he goes to Genesis chapter 2. The creation narrative. You see, in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the entire universe out of nothing by the word of his power. He orders everything according to his good and perfect design. And then on the seventh day, God rests. He doesn't rest because he's tired, though. But God rests to initiate a pattern of work and creativity and creation for six days and rest. And refreshment for one. It's a pattern of work and rest. Creation and refreshment for humanity to follow God in. You see, the Sabbath serves humanity because the human race is made before the Sabbath is instituted, before God rests. And it's a creational mandate for humanity because God Rest, and he invites humanity and brings humanity into his rest, into his peace, into his own Sabbath. You see, in Mark 2, Jesus is giving us a window into how to rightly interpret God's word and how to properly order our lives around God's design for you and I. See, friends, we were made, made to commune with God, with one another, and to sit back and rest. And this rest, this ceasing from work, ceasing from labor, following in this pattern, serves us by doing two things. From Genesis uh, 2, verse 3. Two things. It blesses and it consecrates. That means to make something holy, to set it apart. So first, it blesses. The day of rest, the Sabbath, blesses humanity by giving us a break. It serves us by letting us rest mentally, physically. Friend, you have limitations. The Sabbath blesses us by letting us sit back and take a break to relax. And it gives us the opportunity without distraction to worship God and to meditate on his redeeming works. It's also a blessing because it reminds us that God is the upholder of the universe. Not us. God is. So it keeps things in perspective Friend, that life will continue without you. You see, we are workaholics. We're achievers, many of us, right? The Sabbath blesses us with a break, but also with the opportunity to acknowledge, I'm not God. God is God. He upholds everything while I take a nap. See, there are many blessings, 
But one, one more that I want to mention that's quite important is the weekly creational mandate to Sabbath, to rest, to cease from work, to enter God's rest, points humanity toward the eternal rest and cosmic peace awaiting the people of God. You see, we were created to rest in the redemptive work of our Creator. The weekly Sabbath points us toward a future reality as we cease from work to worship God each week with God's people. Friends, the corporate gathering of God's people is a window into eternal worship and rest. Second, it consecrates. Meaning, we don't, we don't only take a break and cease from our work, cease to work. Our work is actually dedicated to the Lord. Meaning, our work is more than a paycheck, it's a vocation. You see, your work that you do throughout the week, your career, what you do, your work is connected to God's work in the world as the effects of the fall are weakened, are watered down, are pushed back in the faithful, creative work of God's people in the world, serving their creator and loving their neighbor. So friend, work hard. Rest on the Sabbath and see that your work is consecrated to the Lord. Your work matters. It's made holy when you put it down and rest from it and dedicate it to the Lord. Colossians 3 says this. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. When you cease from your work on the Sabbath, it's consecrated to God. As we enter into ordinary spaces, ordinary vocations, not merely earn a paycheck and give our work to the Lord. You see, this is why Jesus is appealing to the purpose of the Sabbath which is to refresh humanity, not to restrict us. You see, the Sabbath is not a day of religious obligation, but of holy refreshment. It's a day to take a break, to remember the redemptive and creative works of God, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and wander toward an eternal rest begun in His Son, Jesus Christ, one week closer than you were the last. Now one quick point, verse 23. It says, and they made their way. Where were they going in Mark chapter 2? I actually think the best way to interpret this in light of Mark's gospel is to interpret this theologically. That Jesus is on the way to usher Israel into a new and better exodus. A new and better liberation to liberate them from the curse of the law, which only reveals to them as a mirror their own sinfulness and inability to love God perfectly and love their neighbor perfectly. Jesus is on the way to liberate his people. Jesus is the greater Moses. He will bring them into a greater land into a, with a greater blessing and a greater Sabbath rest. By fulfilling what Israel could never do. But he can only do this if he's divine. Not merely a good human teacher. Which is the key to seeing all of this put together in verse 28. And the final point. It says the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Final point. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. 
Now, you may know that Son of Man is Jesus' favorite title for himself. And while it seems like an earthly title, since it has uh, man in it, it's actually a divine title from the Old Testament, specifically Daniel chapter 7. It means that Jesus is the supreme divine authority, not only over Israel, but of all humanity, over all creation. You see, in Mark 2, Jesus is demonstrating his authority, as we've looked at, over demons, over disease, over the body, over the law of God, and over sin. You see, Lord of the Sabbath means that Jesus is Lord of all, the Lord of life, because he is the creator of life. He's the creator of the Sabbath. You notice in John chapter 1, when John calls Christ the Logos, what that means is that Jesus, the Christ, is the creator. So Genesis 2 is Jesus creating and Jesus resting. The key to resting on the Lord's Day, friends, to be refreshed, is worshiping and enjoying the Lord of the Lord's Day. It's to worship and acknowledge Christ as the Lord of all of life. You see, the Pharisees, they completely miss this. They only see religious regulations. They don't see a person. Christianity is a person. So they don't rest. You see, friends, this is Christianity. You don't get a moral code. You get a person. How can you rest in a moral code? How can you rest in a religious checklist? You can't. Many of you are trying. Many of us are trying. We can't. How can you rest in a person? You trust. You trust him. And you receive what he offers. And that's grace, love, and peace. So friend, are you restless? Are you anxious? You must answer this question. Who is the Lord, not only of the Sabbath, but of your life? Is it something or someone other than Jesus? You see, we're all trying to regulate and legislate morality as we see it should be, even if it's extra-biblical. We're all trying to improve ourselves. We're all trying to check some religious checkbox, whether it be a secular one, a Christian one, a religious one, whatever it is. We're all doing this in some ways or another. We're all trying to soothe our anxieties and our fears and to find rest by checking off all those boxes. But that's not rest. It's not real rest. Because the target will always be moving. Real rest, friend, is in a person. It's in the person of Jesus See, Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That means that Jesus embraces those who suffer from restlessness and who can't carry their sin and their burdens any longer. And you know what Jesus does? Is he takes all of that on as his own so that you don't have to carry it anymore. Friend, if you want rest, rest in the finished work of Jesus on the cross for you. Where he lived the life keeping God's law perfectly on your behalf and died the death on the cross that you and I deserved. That's how you can rest. That's how the world can actually rest. And how do you start doing this? A start is to simply remember and receive Christ one day a week and look to a future where rest in Christ will be all that God's people will ever know. 
Friend, if you are constantly laboring to solve all the world's problems, if you are restless with your own religious performances, come and rest in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, help us to present ourselves and all of our pursuits as a sacrifice to you, that you may peaceably rule and perpetually dwell in us until you gather us to our final heavenly dwelling, where there is reserved for us eternal rest and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.